life is a state of mind. What's the most you ever lost in a coin toss? You don't play by the same rules. Sue me for having a life. Let's talk about something important. This is the Brian Suits Show. You're listening to a special presentation of the Brian Suits Show. Back on October 24th at the historic Everett Theater, KTTH held a Freedom Series event, which featured a number of prominent politicians here in our state, as well as newsmakers and commentators. It was a night of lively discussion revolving around politics and culture. If you missed out, well, today is your lucky day. This hour, we're going to be playing some excerpts from that evening right here on AM 770 KTTH. At one point, Brian Suits had the opportunity to interview gubernatorial candidate Dave Reichert. And that's how we're going to kick things off this hour. Hope you enjoy. This is The Brian Suit Show. Uh, well, it's our old friend Dave Reichert, everybody. Um, you're running for this governor's office, uh, and, and it's really hard to come up with a Republican with more name recognition uh, than Dave Reichert. So we're going to talk about uh, all of that here, fundraising, social media, the, the whole thing. With all the money going towards uh, renewable energy and that whole balloon juice, um, oddly enough, some of the most renewable, brilliantly clean energy of all time is a hydroelectric dam. And they're talking about... We're talking about taking them down. So my question is, what do you bench? <laughs> I was put up to, I'm sorry, I apologize, it's childish, but I was, I was dared to do that. Sorry, you don't have to answer that. Okay, um, so yeah, I didn't know I was going to be on a comedy show. <laughs> I was not. It's a serious question. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, in Congress, uh, voted to, uh, to save the dams. We, we need our dams for the power they generate. And uh, thank you. Yeah. Simple answer. So uh, it, it's really hard to come up with a more indelible image from the WTO in 1999 than when you chase those hippies down Pike Street as sheriff of King County. But that's in King County. Did you catch the hippie, by the way? Well, uh, they were actually three gangbangers. Yeah. And uh, but they could be hippies too, I guess. They were dressed as hippies. <laughs> um, uh, no, SPD uh, eventually uh, caught those three guys. They'd broken into Radio Shack, and I just happened to be. Uh, yeah, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. To- um, well, so uh, I, I don't know how it works in Eastern Washington, but I mean, you know, by name and face. Uh, you were the most recognizable sheriff at that time in the U.S. When you go to Eastern Washington, uh, you know, is that going to be where the money is? Do they know you there? Yes, do Republicans do. know you there? Yes. They, my uh, name ID in Seattle, mm-hmm. King County, is uh, in somewhere in the mid-60s, 64, 65 percent. Um, statewide, it's, uh, I think, um, in the low 50, 51, 52 percent, and I haven't really been on TV for the last four and a half years, so uh, I think we start out in a really good spot with with name recognition. That's that's worth a lot of money in the political world. Do you think there's an opportunity with some Democrats who have had it up to here with themselves to possibly say, I remember that guy, he didn't offend me, he wasn't a wacky, crazy, right-wing He's just a, a guy who seems like he can really get stuff done. Are, are, are they there? Yes. So I, I was at a, a, a um, county fair in Chelan 
uh, about a month ago. And uh, a young couple walks by, and uh, it's the Republic. I'm standing by the Republican booth, and uh, they're sort of standing back, and they see me, and they kind of do one of these things. So I walked over, and they said, "Hey, we don't really want to be around the, the Republican booth, but we saw you standing there, and uh, we just want to let you know we're going to vote for you." So <laughs> I, I, I get, I, I, we've been getting that uh, a lot. Uh, independents, moderate Democrats um, are are fed up. Uh, even some of the inner city millennials, young people, they can't go to their local pub, they can't go to their local coffee shop without stepping on a needle, uh, without walking over a body or being attacked. So um, they don't feel safe and they want to change. And what, what I, I ask them, you know, do you, do you like the way things are? And they go, no. And I said, well, you know, then you should be voting for some change here because we've had the same government for 40 plus years with the same people in power. It's time to change things up here a little bit. Uh, when, when you initially ran for Congress, you win and you, you disappear. And we were talking backstage about the, the, the Dave Reichert effect of going to D.C. and rubbing elbows with people that are going to be in Congress next year uh, and things like that. So describe that because it's um, uh, your reputation in D.C. was not a jerk. Yeah, yeah th th that guy looks good in pictures, not a jerk, not a jackass. <laughs> you, you can deal with this guy. Uh, so, I mean, describe what you bring to the table there, uh, that, that gap between Washington real and Washington, D.C. Yeah, well, you know, first, I, I, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to run for Congress. Um, Jennifer Dunn was very persistent. Um, I finally said yes, I think after the fifth or sixth time, uh, and the first race, race we won was against uh, Dave Ross, 51.5%, uh, something like that. So. Um, I didn't realize what a great opportunity that was until I got back there and started working with both sides of the aisle. You have to when you're back there. Find it interesting that a lot of people will vote for you to get into a political office, but then they don't expect you to be political, right? But that's the job. And so uh, the opportunity I had was to work with people like Kevin McCarthy. And, uh, and Steve Scalise, who I just, I just texted uh, last week when he dropped out of the speaker's race and, and uh, you know, told him that he did a good job on, on Fox News and got a response back from him. Those relationships on both sides of the aisle, I burnt no bridges. And um, I still know, I would say, 80% of the people who are back there, which when you become governor, um, you've got those relationships already built. And, and you can communicate with them immediately what we need here in the state of Washington. I also uh, know most of the presidential candidates uh, who are running right now and have worked with some of those in Congress. So whoever is elected, whomever is elected um, as president, I think it would have, because it is going to be a Republican, right? <laughs> Would you say there is a Washington Republican uh, and that you'd, you'd be it? I mean, in other words, someone that a Democrat could vote for without vomiting or whatever they do now. <laughs> well, so I, I'm, and I'd like to think of it this way. Look, I, I was a cop uh, for 33 years, and I was a detective uh, for a number of those years, uh, 10, 12 years. Um, and by the way, that, that Green River, I didn't know they were playing that clip, but I just want to make it clear. I. I really had a great team uh, of people all those years working on, on this case. But 
what I try to do is to look at everything as an investigation. Uh, when I looked at legislation uh, that I had to vote on back in Washington, D.C., I looked for the good and the bad. If it had more good, I voted yes, and then I tried to work to get the bad out. If it had more bad, uh, I'd, I'd vote no, and I'd work to get the good in. And, and so um, people like to say that's, you know, you're an independent, you're a moderate. I like to, I, I like to think I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a unknown. I like to keep people guessing a little bit and do something a little bit different. But I, I like to collect facts and make, make decisions based upon fact. And that's what we're going to do in the governor's office. We're going to we're going to hire some people in uh, our state government that know what the hell they're doing in their job. And they're not going to be appointed because they wrote a check to the governor for his campaign. Um, and I don't know if you heard the the panel that I did with the county councilman, the UW prof, and uh, Kathy from 25th district. But I've never seen an issue. Uh, anger parents more than this gender dysphoria state law uh, without the parents' consent thing. Uh, and I mean, it, it was bad in California. I really hadn't thought, you know, the mutilate your kids law would be up here. But it's here, and I, I got to say, it's actually exceeds California. Yeah. I mean, as governor, uh, uh, you, you hear that, right? You, you hear it yeah, at, at yeah, campaign stumps? Right. Absolutely disgusting. Um, 5599, I think, was the piece of legislation, right? Yeah. Um, there are petitions out there. Uh, Brian Haywood, many of you know Brian. You know the petitions are out there. Got to sign that. Get it on the ballot. The, the voter's voice needs to be heard on this, and that's how we're going to change things. Yeah, I, I got to say, I mean, I, I don't like writing checks, but if a, if a, if a, uh, a candidate is talking specifically in this state about that, they're going to get my check and my bumper sticker inches and the whole thing. And I mean, I get, uh, looking objectively in this state, if there is a Republican issue, that's it. You know, from Ritzville to Spanaway or, or, or whatever. It's well, it's time, for, it's time for our schools to focus on educating our children school. on science and math and the things that they need to be successful in, in life, uh, not the rest of this crap, to be um, blunt. <laughs> so uh, what, what does uh, Riker 2024 look like? What's your social media um, and all that? Are you, do you care about anyone below 28? I mean, they don't really vote anyway. I mean, <laughs> yes, we do care about every voter. Um, we love every voter uh, who votes for us. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, we're, you, you know, my uh, effort's going to be try to reach everybody that we can. And uh, we as conservatives have a great message this time, and it, it covers not only the issue of, uh, our, of our children and their protection and the parents' rights in schools and their education, but it has to do with their protection, their safety and security, and just walking from home to school, walking from school back home. So it's the, it's the criminal justice system, it's drug addiction, it's alcoholism, it's, it's the taxes that are piled on us day after day after day. You turn around, you've got a gas tax, cap and trade gas tax put on you, and how many pennies? 
pennies, right? Just a few pennies. It's 50 cents a gallon now. That has caused an increase in everything that you buy. Truck drivers and farmers were supposed to be exempt from that. They have not been, and that was a ploy by the current government. Uh, so they've not been honest with us. They've been dishonest. I feel like, and I know I'm going on a little bit of a rant right now, but um, I don't know about you, but I feel sort of like a surf on government property here in Washington State, and that's it, that's got to end. They, the government, need to serve us. So, so your likely opponent. Um, is a dark blue, dyed-the-wool King County product of a machine that is so overwhelming it doesn't even have to be evil. They, they, can, they can just spend money. Um, what's the dirt that they're going to come at us on, on the Dave Riker? Are they going to? I got to say, your your record in law enforcement in King County, I think, is unimpeachable. But I don't know about the rest of the state. But what are they going to tell us about you? Well, I don't know. It's all good. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I've, I've never seen a campaign in this state that gets that dirty. So I guess I guess that's good. But yeah, um, they do make up lies. Thank you for that, ma'am. Uh, but but I mean, no, and I can't see you yeah. by the way. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's no there's no dark Dave Reichert secret. Uh, there's no, there, you, you, you know, you really were the sheriff of King County. Yes. Everyone saw you. For how long were you the sheriff of King County? Uh, eight years as the sheriff, 33 years with the sheriff. You, served, you signed my first CCP, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Congratulations. That, yeah. Um, <laughs> great, great, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, autograph. Um, <laughs> so I guess what, what, what I'm talking about then is your campaign's going to be on the socials, the billboards. Where, where are you going to put your money? Well, I, I'm not, it's not a sales pitch, by the way. I'm just, I'm, yeah. I, I'm just saying, I, you know, I can't believe there's people that don't know you. Yeah, there's some new people that have moved in, but there's a lot more people yeah. that have moved out. Yeah. Um, right? Well, and, and, and I would say for those of us that, that tunneled out of California, you, as your story is what they came here for. Is How about that guy as governor? Because, you know, I don't know if, if, if the snowplow vaccine thing, we're about to feel the, the effects of that Saturday. When there's no one to drive the snowplow, because you have, if you're sitting alone in a truck for 12 hours, you should be vaccinated. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to, like, over the past, but, I mean, given the facts at hand at the time, what would uh, Governor Riker have done? No, we're not going to do that. I, I'll tell you, um, one of the, thank you, one of the things that, uh, that uh, I've been doing... <laughs> Uh, before I jumped into this race is I, I got a call from several uh, union members from the firefighters uh, union. A lot of them, there must be a firefighter out there somewhere. Um, a lot of them lost their jobs, as we all know. I think almost 200 firefighters left. Uh, I just texted with one, um, one of the, the, the firefighters that I was working with 20 years with Eastside Fire. He's, he, he left the state because he got fired because he did, he, for religious uh, reasons, didn't want to take the, the COVID shots. He's now, he's now working in Montana as a firefighter. Another one of these gentlemen working uh, in Texas as a firefighter. 
one of the things as governor is that we could, I, I will hire those people back. Um, and then, uh, I, I forgot, do, does, do we debate in the state anymore? You know, are, are the, the, the likely uh, uh, opponent uh, is a lawyer, I hear, and uh, so I, I don't know, is there, is there uh, going to be a debate? Yeah, I hope so. I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to comparing his record uh, with mine. and. Not <laughs> Uh, I don't know how many millions of dollars he's cost us in the lawsuits that he's that he's lost, right? Um, several million dollars. Uh, I um, yeah, I hope I hope that we had that op opportunity. Uh, he he's um, he's a lawyer, but I, you know I'm a nice guy, so I think. Yeah, I have a man on the inside that says he's a gigantic a jackass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, not to put you on the spot, but but uh, real quickly, is is there a prominent national Democrat that would go on tape and say, "Not a jackass. I, he should be your governor." Jay Inslee. Really? That, that'd be great. <laughs> I think, in fact, when Jay Inslee announced his retirement, he said, "I look forward to handing the keys to the governor's office over to the next Democrat." Yeah. And I think Ferguson was standing there at the time, so. Yeah, that, you know, that's the other thing that's just so um, irritating about this is that they, there's an entitlement uh, that people feel here. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, and I heard uh, Carmen Best say it, you can't give up. We didn't give up in Green River. The whole team worked 19 years. We solved that case. Don't give up. We can win this state back. We've got to do it together. You've got to tell your friends. You've got to get them out to vote. You've got to write checks yep and, and speaking <laughs> of that okay so so uh everyone's gonna run home they're gonna give you money and they're gonna go where they're right. gonna go to uh, rikerforgovernor.com okay um yeah that's really what it boils down to and i'm i left a state that was like the democrats were like the globetrotters and the republicans played like the washington generals and i'm sick of that and there's still time to save the, no matter what people say it's almost as bad here no it's not and if we can hit the bottom and bounce back, uh, that, that'd be great. Time so is I now. Hope, hope, yep. hope to, uh, to, to see you raise your hand there. All right, well, everyone, uh, give it up for the sheriff, Dave Reichert. This is the Brian Suits Show. If you want more suits, make sure you're not missing out on the Brian Suits Show After Party Podcast. How do you get it, you might ask? Well, it's easy. If you're already subscribed to the podcast, it'll show up in the regular show feed every Tuesday and Thursday. If you're not already a Brian Suit Show podcast subscriber, text SUITS, S-U-I-T-S, to 1-800-465-8770, and we'll send you all the links you'll need to become a subscriber. So what is the After Show podcast? Well, it's little tidbits that Brian uh, left out of the show or things that he wants to give you a behind-the-scenes look at or perspectives that are totally and completely unique to him that you can't find anywhere else about international conflicts, about politics here at home, domestic issues, immigration, stuff that we did not get to on the show but is nonetheless important 
and consequential for uh, the United States of America. So check it out today, the Brian Suit Show After Party Podcast. This is AM770 KTTH. You're listening to a best of the Brian Suit Show on AM 770 KTTH. Good news is this. They found so much rare earths um, in this uh, one mine in Wyoming. You can fit all of Russia and China's lithium into this mine. If managed wisely, the discovery at Halleck Creek will make the U.S. the world's indispensable mineral supplier. Bad news is uh, there's no incentives for finding that. Because, you know, this is the most uh, energy and drill unfriendly uh, administration in like uh, ever uh, and stuff, but we're still the world's biggest producer of oil, and the American EV industry is is on thin ice. But don't worry, the American doling out uh, tax incentives industry uh, is doing great. You'll see this story in this morning's uh, Seattle Times. Norwegian Arctic Circle town expected green energy boom, then came Bidenomics. Ow! Uh, the name of the town is Mu'irana, uh, a small Norwegian industrial town on the cusp of the Arctic Circle. A cavernous gray factory sits empty and unfinished in the snowy twilight, a monument <clears throat> to unfulfilled economic hope. The electric battery company Freyr, F-R-E-Y-R, uh, which is their, their spelling of Freya, who's the female offspring of Odin, uh, was partway uh, through constructing this hulking factory facility when the Biden administration's sweeping climate bill passed in 2022. The impact in Europe is never covered here in the U.S. Perhaps the most significant climate legislation in history, the Inflation Reduction Act promised an estimated $369 billion in tax breaks and grants for clean energy technology over the next decade. Its incentives for battery production within the United States were so generous that they eventually helped the producer, Fryer, pause its Norway facility and focus on setting up shop in Georgia. I mean, so yay, America. So they're, it's a production facility to build batteries that are going to go in cars that no one is buying. So there's that. And the Europeans, are, they're livid about this because young scientists, engineers, and, and hard facilities are coming to America because we're paying them to. In some cases... Uh, Norway will maybe, and, and you have this idea that, well, Norway is like a green commie socialist, uh, you know, uh, like a Canada with better looking people or something. But uh, no, it's not because they cap their subsidies at about 40 percent, which is, which is pretty good, right? If, if the government's going to carry the, the freight for 40 percent of your factory and your product, you know, you should be turning a profit thanks to the government, right? Well, America can be that. America says, hold my water down, 3-2 beer. European subsidies total only perhaps 20 to 40% of a firm's investment cost compared with more than 200% in the U.S. So they're doubling your cost to just set up the factory. That's what the Inflation Reduction Act is, is doing. And so uh, new factories for the same uh, type of batteries in Europe? Yeah, no. 
not only are they not breaking ground, but this one had broken ground and then they fled. They fled to Georgia. And meanwhile, there's a wave of layoffs that are hitting EV battery companies in America because no one's buying the automobiles. Uh, so there's that. And so that's that's where you get the the six months that short-circuited the electric vehicle revolution. Uh, a great article, um, by the way, in uh, yesterday's uh, Wall Street Journal. Uh, so here's how it works. The dealers are PO. Dealers are... I don't think it's not like McDonald's. There, there are some like corporate owned restaurants, but most McDonald's are franchises. Most car dealers are franchises. Uh, GM uh, chief executive Mary Barra told analysts that, look, ultimately we're going to follow the consumer and you're not buying the EVs. And, and if you can navigate through the tax breaks, then please enjoy a confluence of factors had led many auto executives to see the potential for a dramatic societal shift to electric cars, government regulations, corporate climate goals, the rise of Chinese EV makers, and Tesla's stock valuation, which at roughly $600 billion still towers over the legacy car companies. But the push and Bidenomics overlooked an important constituency, the consumer. You're not seeing the brilliance, so you don't like Idris Ilba enough because you're probably a racist mega person. So you're not buying a electric Mustang, and they don't go vroom vroom or anything like that. And so that's what's leading. Uh, the dealers wrote a letter uh, in November. Thousands of U.S. dealers signed a letter urging Biden to ease proposed regulations that would push the industry to sell more battery-powered cars. Last year, there was a lot of hope and hype about EVs, the dealers wrote in their letter to the White House, but that enthusiasm has stalled. Some auto retailers say that they are now selling EVs at a loss to get them the hell off the lot. Uh, what? That's that single tear running down the cheek. One car dealership is 25 minutes from the lightning plant, struggling to understand what happened on a recent weekday. The owner of the uh, of the car dealership Peeked out his window at eight lightnings and four Mach-E's. He said, quote, nobody's opening the door. There just seems to be this hesitancy that's hitting hard. Remember, the lightning was the one they couldn't keep in stock because all the early adopters were just going crazy for them. Um, and now they're they're littering the lot. They're selling them at a loss. Uh, and so it, it, it's interesting because if you want to make money right now, you're going to make tax break money. Um, but I, I know this until we get, it doesn't make sense for me at all, unless I want a virtue signal or whatever. And like I said, I, a friend of mine, his wife made him buy one six years ago because he lives in Beverly Hills and he can't be seen parking at Gelson's in his Aston Martin. He has to drive the Prius because someone might, might, might tell on him. This really happened that, that his wife had a ta had a chin wag with a, with a friend who said, I saw Andy pull into Gelson's in that big Aston Martin and not the Prius. And so, I mean, not, uh, not a, uh, an EV. So they had, he had to buy it for just going to the super high, overly priced high end grocery store. And, and, and that, that seems to be it. Um, we have a Tesla, Tesla charging station by our house and my wife and I drove by it last it work? night and saw three or four cars uh, lined up and just thinking, I don't envy their position because that's what it's at least 15 to 20 minutes. You have to hang out in the cold yeah. outside just waiting for that thing to charge up. And I mean, people now, now that now that they're penetrating the market more, people know people 
or you're seeing uh, a, a a charge field and half of them don't work. Um, and there's one, you drive by right before, if you're going northbound, right between the Fentanyl Hotel or, or Cabela's, I'll say Cabela's, and the Tacoma Dome, there is, uh, there's a big sushi restaurant. It's one of those giant, you know, assembly line sushi ones. I love those. And they have a giant lot, and they're all Tesla chargers. There's never a car there. I mean, not at 930 in the morning. But people are, are now, they're reading stories, like the car and driver story. The, 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 the car and driver guy that had a family emergency in Sacramento, he took the, the, the company car, they, they bought a Tesla, or uh, the, the Ford uh, Mach-E, the Mustang, and he, he had to get to Sacramento that day. Couldn't do it. Less problem. More people are, are, are seeing those. And then, so anyway, uh, it, it hits because you don't buy them. When you don't buy them, Ford doesn't have to make them. So they're reassigning thousands of employees from the Lightning assembly line back to internal combustion, such as the principal that got me here this morning in a uh, reliable and, and fuel-efficient uh, way, I should say, on that. But... Um, yeah, so it's, it's ironic because I had a long talk with a sales guy about the tax breaks involved in putting solar on your house. One of the things that, that the administration did was that if you're going to get the tax break for a car, you know, the lithium in the battery uh, has to be non-slavery sourced. And so the Chinese have done a great shell game, whether it's you buying your iPhone or whatever, but they've done this shell game where they they – they saw the demand for their slavery-built batteries, their Uyghur-built uh, lithium batteries, uh, just, you know, the bottom fallout. So they started doing a shell game about hiding where the, the point of origin of, of, that, of that really is. And the U.S. government bought it and went, oh, okay, well, anyone who speaks Mandarin can't be bad and, and, and all that. And uh, so anyway, the, the unintended con- consequences are, are, are falling. And it's funny because... <clears throat> So many companies are just fly by night. They set up buying shipping containers full of cheap Chinese-made solar panels. Good morning, China. And all of a sudden, the tax breaks for those disappeared. And there are factories that make solar panels in America. And the one that that I was affiliated with has gone crazy. They, they, they now service 12 Western states. We're not one of them, neither is Oregon. But they make the panels in America. Not just America, but actually in California. They, they, they can make a competitive panel that's as good or better than anything that's offloaded uh, from a Connex from China. Um, and the tax breaks are so good that, I mean, you, you, you wind up making money putting panels on, on, your, on your house. Because the panels are more efficient, they're smaller, they're made in America, not by slave 12-year-olds. They're made in America by actually highly paid people. And the tax incentives, and I mean, people were getting them anyway before the tax breaks. Now the tax breaks are in, and it's not like it used to be 20 years ago where you had to pay everything up front. You had to buy the panels. Now you can finance it, and yeah, and yeah the financing per month is less than what you're paying right now, and it's a write-off. It's a, It's crazy. Uh, except, except that I, I would I would have to say if people knew that the incentive for solarizing your house is what because you don't drive your house anywhere, 
you know, you just want the lights to be on. Okay, well, if the lights can be on and there's a battery backup in case the lights go out, you know, or whatever, uh, you're going to do it. Name 770 KTKH. for an adult, a grown-ass man who gets angry at a baby crying. Um, there's a guy, uh, Mark Grabowski, who, who TikToked a, uh, a, a passenger on his flight that was circling, burning out fuel and circling, waiting to, to land, and uh, there was a baby on board that started to cry. And I, we've all been on planes when there's a new mom and there's a kid. And, and if... if you know, if you're understanding about that, you feel bad for her because the parents are always looking at you like, uh -huh. and then all the suggestions come. I was on a flight once when there was an older lady sitting next to me, and she goes, I can't reach over there, but if I could hold the baby, I, I could make it stop crying. And I said, well, I, uh, what, Sophie's Choice? What are you, what are you oh, doing? No. What the hell? Speaking of Hitler. Well, her <laughs> Sorry, um, I don't want to derail. Say what, what you will, but the guy had a hell of a honeymoon. So the the woman was going to put vodka on a napkin. Oh, that's an old-timey trick. That is a really old-timey trick. Because I said, well, you know, I have a daughter, and I have I have a special skill. I can make a baby stop crying. And she, and she said, oh, well, I, you know, I, I was just going to dip it in my drink. And I said, I salute you, but I don't think we do that anymore. But isn't that crazy? That was a really common thing. Anyway, um, th this guy is just embarrassing himself, um, and he's complaining because the, the baby's crying too loud, and uh, he had headphones on, and his wife is pixelated out. She's on the Instagram or the TikTok, but uh, Q13 or, or Fox uh, pixelated her out. The, the child was upset, but, you know, we were... We couldn't get up and move around because because of the weather, so everyone was kind of just strapped in their seats. Mark Rabowski was on the flight. He says they were circling the West Palm area for about an hour before the blow-up happened. That's when he said the baby and another man both had a meltdown. Just out of nowhere, this uh, the other passenger, um, and seeing the video, um, basically said, uh, you know, just out of nowhere said, shut that baby up. And it just uh, escalated from there. Grabowski documented the incident on his phone. He says when things got heated, he and other passengers tried to help calm the man down, but that didn't help. I had headphones on. I was sleeping. Why is the baby out? <laughs> it's a baby, you muppet. You know, and I mean, the flight attendants should just... Do you all understand when they come along and say you're creating a disturbance, you're about to have a really long day when you land, wherever you land. If if you're interfering with the flight crew and the attendants, yes, the drink de delivers our flight crew. If you're interfering with the flight crew, you're going to have a long day. And you and you, you may be doing a coin flip if you ever get on that airline again.
And, you know, babies are going to cry. Now, there's times when I just kind of question why you fly with a baby until a kid is like a year and a half. Um, I avoided it when possible when my kids were really little. But did this incident occur when the plane was about to land or was getting it, ready to land? It's flying. They've been circling for an hour. Circling for an mm. hour waiting uh, to uh, touch ladies, ground. Ladies and gentlemen, we're circling West Palm. And if you have a baby, hit it. There's a phenomenon that happens in your ears, especially with the youngins, and they don't know how to counter it, and it's called... True international depression. It's, it's depressed. Yeah. It's the stress on your eardrum that occurs when the air pressure in your middle ear and the air pressure in the environment are out of balance. And, and, and you have to blow have your no nose. You have what's to, going on. you got to pinch your nose and, and blow it. And it stinks. And my six-year-old was having a heck of a time when we landed back at SeaTac Airport. And everybody understands this. you got to have a little grace for the little ones on flight. And this guy was met when they did land. He says the flight attendants were quick to catch on to what was happening. They moved the mother and her children to a different part of the plane. They focused their energy on trying to help the man. He says between the weather, the blow up and... And good, that's a baller move. You know, move the baby. You know, maybe set her up in a bathroom with uh, a bunch of little mini mini bar bottles. Um, and, you know, and, and, and that whole deal. And, and great. Move him. And uh, he he chose the latter. We all got off the plane, and obviously there was a lot of mumbling as people walked past. <laughs> See, so notice they're mad at him. They're not mad at the kid, at the, at the baby. But, I, I, you know, I, I have a really long fuse, and when it comes to that kind of stuff, I feel bad for the parents. Okay, he, do you, though? The parents are just like, we don't want this, okay? Okay, Brian, real-world scenario. You're in row 24, seat D, and you hear... What does Brian Suits do? It's right in front of you. It's 23F. I channel my inner Marjorie Taylor Greene. That was quite entertaining from someone that had a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy, and everyone knows it. Ma'am, it's a nine-month-old. Um, so, no, I, you know, I, I I don't like the sound, and that probably is triggering a lot of people. Out, but I said, yeah, and my my daughter was a great kid, really, really quiet, really well behaved, and you know, and the whole thing. And on, we always got the bulkhead of either you know whatever business class or whatever, but so that she could stand up and I could put a leg up, and that would be the simulated crib, right? So they're all you know, she was always looking out the window, um, and all that. Other people's kids, you know, let's all admit it, our kids cry cute. Your kid. It sounds like a someone is trying to shove sandpaper up a bobcat's butt in a phone booth. Okay, where did you pull that metaphor at? Uh, Brian, former Seahawk Brian Millard described Fred Young. Uh, Fred Young tackling you as uh, he he said, "I would rather shove sandpaper up a bobcat's butt in a phone booth than get hit by Fred Young." How about that pull? Just put on headphones if the baby is crying and turn the sound up. Noise-canceling headphones are miraculous. You're not on the Oregon Trail, dude. You're in a (laughs) rocket flying over the earth. Yeah, and it's like you you don't see what a jackass you look like. And then um, I got to say my my most excruciating uh, experience was D.C. to Addis Ababa on a flight right before some Ethiopian holiday. And it was a bunch of Ethiopian citizens with their new kids taking them home to meet the grandparents. A 787 full of crying Ethiopian babies. 
and I'm that was your personal <laughs> and, and uh, yeah and, and, and hockey sticks and oh but I you know I didn't that's the thing I'm not gonna be the American getting up going hey all your all you Ethiopian babies shut up for the children but I'll I'll tell you what that was a culture where. People were swaddling, you know, their babies. They were not flailing around, and they did go to the old-timey solution. Uh, they were they were dipping bread in liquids, and they good morning giving to the kids. And and suddenly, over high over the Atlantic, the aeroplane got quiet. Um, and that's one of the great great things about the seven eighty seven is that they can it pressurizes at only eight thousand feet, not ten. So it's lower pressure. So that initial, you know, where the kids are all screaming or whatever, because I don't know, I mean, I'm a baby. I can't depressurize my ears. That didn't happen. It was other stuff. It was, and, and also when babies hear another baby crying, they start, they start crying. Contagion effect. Yeah, kind of, kind of that. But no, that was a thin slice of hell uh, on, on that flight. But, and it was right before noise canceling earbuds and, and headphones. It was Whatever, 2012. I, I just, if they were existed, I didn't know of them or else, but they work. Man, on, on barks, on, you know, whatever. Um, and then I, I see people, if you, if you take your kids to a Seahawks game, get those noise canceling NASCAR headphones. Oh, I've got uh, two pairs of those. Those are great. Yeah, they're awesome. They're for shooting. They're for shooting and NASCAR. They, they enhance sound. You can hear people whisper, you know, half a mile away. But if something north of 70 decibels um, comes along, it's immediately cut off at the speed of sound. You don't even get the, the front end of it. You're listening to a Best of the Brian Suit Show.